This is the Cosmic Voice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cosmic Voice. This is Season 4, Episode 7. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. What is going on? And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to a new show. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Mr. Michaels. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Very good. Fantastic. Good. That's good. That's good. It is good, I guess. I mean, it's better than me getting on and saying, man, I'm just miserable and... <laughs> I felt like I, I, you know, I felt like I just got smacked by <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> I was going to say his name. I wasn't sure if I was getting in trouble or not. But hey, listen, <laughs> I got Will Smith right across the face. How's that sound? Uh, uh, there you go, buddy. There you go. There you go. Now, when I, this you know, episode funny. airs, it's going to be a couple weeks, and hopefully, it'll be all over. But for us, this is brand new. This just happened like yesterday. It's just craziness going on all over the place. It's great, bro. It's great. Every time I turn on the news, I'm like, do we not remember there's a war going on? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's gone. Is this what we're talking Somebody about Somebody just now? said to me, hey, it's so great to know that COVID is now done and over with. <laughs> oh, okay. Did, did they release that? Was that? Did somebody say, hey, you know what? Today is the last day of COVID. Get your shots in. Get your sick in. Get it over with today. Because tomorrow there's something new. <laughs> apparently there is there's the smack heard around the world yeah you know man. we yeah now again i didn't watch the oscars i caught it on youtube and i you know i was already late to the game because that's how much i don't care uh, or care depending on how you look at it however uh, millions of people watched one adult man assault another adult man <laughs> and then just sit down then he gets a standing ovation, telling how much he loves people and he's a protector of people. I don't get it. Listen, man, I'm not. I don't live in that higher echelon of you know. I can do and say anything I want. It just doesn't work that way. So I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that a lot of people in the entertainment industry, especially a lot of comedians on both sides, they're concerned about what this signals to other people who may not like jokes. Are they going to get up and whack somebody and maybe even get worse, right? I mean, yeah. you know, some weird stuff happens. Just strange things. Where does that affect musicians? Somebody doesn't like our set? Come yeah. up, they hit us in yeah, the head with something? Yes, yeah, that's a precedence. You're right. That's a precedence, yeah. Yeah, listen, or all of a sudden we're, we're going to be like the Blues Brothers and every place we go into <laughs> is going to have a cage. We play behind a fence because they're throwing stuff at us. That's pretty... <laughs> scary if you think about it but at the, i mean we're making a Dude. joke of it but still 
It's crazy, man. But you know what? It just goes to show you how these, you know, these Hollywood celebrities, your, you know, a lot of your A-listers, it just shows you how a lot of them think. Like, they're just completely clueless. They really are. Like, they just think they're so more important than they really, really are. I mean, I'm not saying they don't do good things. A lot of them do do good things. But it just goes to show you that they think it's okay that, I mean, listen, we've all done stuff by complete emotion and, and regret it later, but sure. you're on national television in front of millions of people and you literally stood up, walked over and slapped them and then walked back. Like at what point in that couple feet of a walk does your brain kick in and go, maybe we shouldn't be doing this? Well, it didn't because, to... because he continued it for Dude, some verbal right? volleying just a 30 seconds after that. So it's... Listen, like, they're very disconnected, me, right? That, 100%. It, you're, you're, and like, you're also, amazing. this was done, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But it's this okay. was done in a room of other celebrities. It's not like it was a gangbang. Like, who is going to get up and start throwing fisticuffs, right? They all just, men and women, just got their, their toes done, their fingers done, their hair done. Half of them got rented suits and jewelry. Yeah, Nobody's going yeah. fisticuffs. Right? It's Bro. just crazy. It's just crazy. And to think that, like, you couldn't... Obviously, he didn't know he was going to win his award, which is fine. That is what you chose to do. You could have said, hey, if I win, I'm going to trash him in my speech. I'm going to go to Twitter and trash him. Like, you literally thought that getting up and punching him was a great idea. Like, it just shows you how these people are. They're just in their own... They don't understand. They don't understand. Like, really yeah, don't. I mean, I mean, would you do that at a PTA conference? Last fall, because of some protests some parents were having, the school system brought in the FBI. They were being considered as terrorists. I don't know if you remember that. It was yeah. kind of a, a blip yeah, do. about I a week do. and a half of news, and then they, that was pushed under, <laughs> you know, the yeah. mat. I mean, so it's like, it's, yep. like everybody's just kind of like losing it. Comedians and some celebrities are saying, you know, again, like, how does this, like you said, sets precedence for someone yeah. to, oh, I don't like something, yeah. now I can go assault somebody. Now, again, yeah. most people are going to know that's wrong, but what about the people that are impressionable or just, you know, like, hey, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Because there's always like that. There's always, you know, 100%. they see it, let me repeat it. It happens over and over and over again. And it's just a bad example. Listen, cheap shots just show you your character. Your true character. Yes. Oh, and listen, yeah. you know, in the last couple of years, this cat's been doing nothing but he's been trying to be a self-help, inspirational guru, yeah. and trying yeah. to yeah. wake the people up about this, that, and the other thing. Well, maybe you need to get some boxing lessons <laughs> because you almost knocked yourself over as you as you're laying in that that open hand. You know what I mean? He yeah. wanted to prove a point. If he wanted to really knock his block over, bust his jaw, he would have did a closed fist. But yeah. listen, anybody that knows anything, you, you have a closed fist without a protective gear on, you're going to, chances are going to break your own hand in the, yeah. in the process of popping somebody else. Probably um, should be glad he didn't punch him, that it was just a slap. I, you know, because it, it just, you know, and, and in the end, the guy that looks the best is Chris Rock. Because he handled it like a man. Yeah. He, you know, he he said he wasn't going to say anything else, and and uh, he continued on. And you know, he hasn't released anything. No, nope, said charges. Nope. Yeah. He's kind of just staying low, and you know, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he's going to say something. I'd be shocked if he didn't say something by the end of the week. But well, uh, I do know they did say that Will Smith did release an apology. Whether that he did last night. Yeah. Was that apology said only on press or Twitter or whatever? Did he actually call up Chris Rock and say, "Hey, man, you know"? Really sorry about that. I don't know if bygones will be bygones per se, but he's not pressing charges. He's not carrying it over into the news. And listen, anybody who's anybody takes press 
and the opportunity to be out there, they just, you know, engulf it. I mean, this was an opportunity for Chris Rock to use it as a platform for him, but he's not yeah. taking advantage of it. And, that, right. and I yeah, commend but, him on it. I commend him on that. But I did read that his ticket sales for his tour went up. Well, sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, and it's divided. There's people on both sides. You know the thing. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. This. Yeah. There definitely is a is a split down the but middle. But with- that's a perfect example of what social media has become for most people. And that quote that Mike Tyson says that you know a lot of people. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but basically saying that a lot of people love to say things because they know they're not going to get their head pounded in. Yeah. And how much will you say when you know you have the opportunity to get your head pounded in? Very little. Yeah. But they're celebrities, Mick. I mean, you know, and, and it's shocking to me that Chris Rock's comment or joke caused this big issue when the past couple of years Ricky Gervais has done it. He's literally barreled through everybody and offended everybody and never got punched. Chris Rock says one little joke yeah, and he gets slapped. It's, it's so bizarre. But I do know, I did read yesterday that apparently Chris Rock and Jada and Will have had issues in the past. Yeah. Because of things that Chris Rock has said. But you know what, man? You're you're a you are a public figure celebrity. You have a talk show, uh, whether it's online or not, that you that you talk about your life and everything in your life, good or bad. So you literally you're leaving yourself up for people to make fun of you, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what late night hosts have been doing for a million years. Yeah. That's what comics have been doing. Like if you're a public figure, man, and you're going to put yourself out there, you better be ready to take your shots. Yeah. And listen, these award shows, a lot of times there is some ribbing going on, a little bit of light of roasting course. because it's on primetime TV. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, Dean Martin had, you know, Dean Martin roasts. And again, they were kept relatively clean, but they were funny. I mean, you, you took shots at people's whatever. And, you know, then the Friars Club was even in a deeper, you know, they got much more hardcore about yeah. now and and, yeah. and people were prepared for that and usually when you were roasted that meant you were of some stature you were some yeah. interest to yeah, the public was, yeah you were important yep. yeah yeah can you imagine don rickles in this day and age no. he would never make it no and i know there were people I mean, that were having problems with him in the last few years you know because of that because you know i mean because they considered him a dinosaur and his comedy was a dinosaur and stuff like that but listen i don't know one way or the other but i think comics and comedians, that's their job. It's satire. If you don't like it, just like the music, turn it off, get up, leave. Could have handled it in a different way. Maybe at the commercial break. Then you could have went fist to cuffs. You're a tough guy when you know nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You know. Or you get up and leave. Because yeah. then you get up and leave, and then you win your award. You made a bigger statement than you know what you did by slapping because now you walked out and you're winning this award and you're not there, and you were there twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Like, to me, you're making a bigger statement. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Than resorting to you know violence. Right. Duh. Yeah, I get it. I understand that the and not to prolong this any longer because we have a show topic we have to get to, but. I understand that maybe the reference struck home because of some situation that she's dealing with, medical or otherwise. However, in my opinion, if everybody remembers, like when G.I. Jane came out, Demi Moore was applauded for what she did. I I can't remember the movie. I I think the movie didn't do as well as they hoped, but she had, like, got her body ripped. You know, someone who was considered, like, a Hollywood beauty shaves her head and still looked amazing. And yeah. Oh, yeah. so being compared to that, it's not like, you know, you were saying, hey, I can't wait to see Gomer Pyle part two. 
But like GI right. Jane, like to me, when you hear GI Jane, it's like that's badass. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. You know what I mean? And here's the other thing. You know, you have to look at it one or well. And this came out today. I saw a news report saying that they dug up an old TikTok video of hers where she was talking about her her condition, and she says, "I don't care what people think. This is me. This is who I am now." Because she refers to how tough it is to be, you know, to be a black woman in the in the movie industry and, and hair and all that. She says in her video that was I don't know how long ago it was I think it was it was a little while ago. She says she doesn't care. You and can make and an then excuse. you look at it like this: Did Chris Rock even know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know condition. I mean, we've never even talked about that. Like, you know, well, not you and I, but yeah. we as in a people. Do we know if he actually knew? I don't know. I mean, know. he could have just said it as a, because I did see the Oscars came out and said he didn't say that during rehearsal. It was just he probably saw her and went with the joke. Right. And you know what I mean? And right. And do we know? Maybe he just thought she shaved her head for whatever, for the Oscars right. or for a role she has coming up. Who knows? Right. Well, he a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, Joe Ro- on Joe Rogan's show today, he said he didn't know about it. He just found out about it as he was going on air. So it's listen, I don't follow her. So I wouldn't know. No, I don't either. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I, don't I don't remember don't. my local newspaper in town having it as front page news. I mean, because, you know, there's uh, yeah. somebody's suffering with something. Right, you know yeah. what I mean, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know who knows. Who knows? You, I think that they have to get control of their feeling of importance and their maybe their lack of. This is Stephen Pearson from Rat the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. But anyway, for tonight's show, anyway, here yes. we're going to go. Here we're going to go. Here we're going to go. Chris, don't slap me now. <laughs> <laughs> Keep my name. Uh, I'll, I'll virtually <laughs> slap your ass. So tonight we are talking about if you can't beat them, join them. Now, I mean, we hear that a lot. You hear that. That saying's been around for uh, longer than Chris's beard. Can't beat them, join them. <laughs> means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Before you know, we go into anything, what does that mean to you? Can't beat them, join them. To me, right off the top of my head when I, and because we are a music podcast, I hear that as kind of what we talked about. I don't know if it was our last episode or the episode before where we talked about how bands back in the day would change their look or sound to get in with what was happening at that moment. Like I said, in one of the shows we just recently, we talked about how hair metal or glam bands, however you want to put it, went kind of the alternative. They lessened the hairspray, lessened the makeup, threw on a flannel, jeans, and kind of changed, right? Like a lot of the uh, a lot of the glam hair metal era bands through the 90s changed their sounds. A lot of them. A lot of them did. And um, it didn't work, obviously. So, I mean, when we talk about that's what I think about when you, can, you know, when you can't beat them, join them. Now, that I mean, that's what I think about. But it really could be a It really could be anything. It could be how you do business. It could be how you record. It's really it kind of it's an umbrella statement that could really include a lot of different things. I absolutely agree with that, and I think what it comes down to is your perspective on it and how open you are to the prospect of making change, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times, like in the real world, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, the world changed two years ago. For most of us, we weren't prepared, ready for it, wanting it, but we were forced to, right? So change is inevitable. How we decide to deal with it, well, that's a choice, 
Some people never yeah. change, and then some people, you know, get left behind. I agree with you. There is the thing that, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. There's a negative connotation to that and the fact that it's like, well, if everybody else is doing it, I might as well do it too. And you can add whatever topic you want to that, whatever it is, whatever action, reaction, whatever. However, like you said, it could be changing how you do business. It could be how you record. Case in point, when making that digital switch. And for me, I want to tell you, that was a tough switch going from analog that I had known for so long, was comfortable with, had a method. I knew exactly what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. Going into the digital world, I remember trying it and I'm like, nah, I don't, I mean, because we had first done some digital stuff back in 2002, early on where you would, you would do something, it would start rendering and you could go get a sandwich, catch a movie and stop at the 7-Eleven for some orange juice. And then a couple hours later, it still would be rendering. That's how long it was, you know, and I was like, this is just the worst. We'll go back to doing what we were doing. And then, you know, again, I tried it in 2007 and 8, and I just still wasn't... I was like, ah, I'm going to... You know, but finally I made the, the leap, and it was it was tough. Now I'm so happy that I made that leap, right? Because I think there's just so much more available to the artist in that digital realm. So in that case, that's one way of looking at it. If you can't beat them, join them. And, you know, like you had said, like in, from the bands from the transitioning from the 80s to the 90s, and, and so they would try to change over to kind of go with what was happening. Now, that goes a lot to what that episode that we did on following trends. And some people are always chasing trends, and they're yeah. always behind, hence chasing. Chasing means you're always behind something, right? You're never leading the pack. And the people that lead the pack are usually doing what's most natural to them. They're just being who they are. We use the analogy, in the, and I'm bringing some people up to speed if, the, if they didn't hear the other episode, and it helps me remember it as well, so it puts everything I'm saying into some kind of context, is that if you use the trends as a valuable resource to keep you in the mix, so to speak, kind of like when we said you know, what David Bowie did and Tina Turner did and, <clears throat> and some other acts like that, they just took what they did and just made it more modern to fit that new mold but they still never changed them right right so i think there's that way of looking at like you know you can't beat them join them listen so you know maybe using the 80s to 90s transition when bands went all of a sudden they just said okay i'm not doing metal anymore i'm gonna do alternative maybe there was a transition some of them could have made a little softer a little smoother and i know Mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest complaints with people with motley Crue. When they had the replacement singer. Right. That they went right. just like night and day. Yeah. And maybe that's what they wanted because there was a, a far enough gap. What year was that album? Do you remember what year that album was? So there may have been a big enough gap and they were already kind of like, you know, the music scene was already embracing that worldwide, so to speak. So everybody was doing it new and old and they just figured they would just follow suit. I mean, even Kiss did a little of an alternative type of feeling with Carnival of Souls. You know, however you feel about that album, I'm just saying it was it was a lot different than some of the previous stuff that they were still carrying over. So, you know, I mean, you can look at it in a bunch of different ways. I mean, I have some examples for myself. The mentality of you can't beat them, join them in a sense, that I've used in a positive way 
to sometimes just to kind of overcome some of my own challenges and or some of my own reservations on stuff. Not to interrupt you and throw you off, but so Motley Crue was the album he was on. Okay. It was 1994. Dr. Feelgood was 89. Yeah. So between 89 and 94, not including the tour. Right. So yeah, so 94, well, I'm well, sorry, Again, that was a pretty big gap from 89 to 94. Yeah, yeah. The whole gap. industry had changed. I mean, we were smack dab in the middle of Nirvana at that point. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Soundgarden, yeah. Pearl Jam. It just was all over the place. So, you know, I mean, I guess that made sense at the time. Especially that music had fallen out of favor. You know, I got to say, Bon Jovi never really fell into that. They did the best that they could, keep the faith. They kept their same model, that same template, until it started firing back. Like, Because then by the beginning of the 2000s, it started coming back again, right? Everybody started coming back. You know, that's when a lot of those older bands were starting to, not older, you know what I mean? These guys were, you know, crack, cracking their, their uh, mid-30s <laughs> by that time. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, you started seeing some of them come back out on the scene, do little summer tours and things of that nature. So, do you have any can't beat them, join them personal stories? Well, you mean me personally? Yeah, like for your, you know, in terms of your career that you felt that either you were hesitant to try, to do, didn't want to break form, but you made the choice too, and you found that it wasn't that bad and better things were afoot. You know, there have been times in my career that I've changed what I've done personally on stage or vocally. I don't necessarily know if it was a conscious effort of can't beat them join them it was more like kind of reinventing myself you know in that aspect i think the only thing that comes to mind for me on a personal level is recording the last you know from going from real to real or you know you're moving into that digital and you know i recorded a couple albums you know with my current band it was very digital sounding we went to the studio i mean and that's what we were not looking for just kind of that was the studio that's how they did that's how the studio recorded us. It's very digital sounding. And then our last record that, you know, the one we just put out, it went back to, there's still some digital in it, but it's a lot of real sounds. The drums are real. Yes. You know, there's really nothing on them. And I'm happy about that because I listened to the older stuff. As proud as I am about it, it just sounds very digital to me. Very like, you know, if you remember that time through the early 2000s when the digital stuff was kind of fear factory you know, that kind of industrial metal yeah. sounding, you know what I mean? And and I never really caught on to that. I got it, but I never caught on to it. I didn't, I, I just like the real live sound of stuff. So for me, can't beat them, join them kind of thing would be more like recording, but I've gone back, like I've kind of regressed and said, you know, I don't necessarily want to, if it makes sense for the music and the band, then I'm cool with that. But I think that, I think that live drums the sounds you know the way we're recording now i, I think for me anyway I, I think it's i think it's it's better uh in my way of thinking and i think a lot of people have gone back to that i don't necessarily know and you and you know you being a studio you may know more but i feel that more studios are going back to live sound and not relying on so much digital say you know digital yeah, well, sounding, the, you digital know it, like as with anything you know like when it becomes new it becomes oversaturated until a balance is sought right, out right, right and achieved and right. i'm going to regress here just a digress i should say because i've i've been regressing for a couple years now but i'm going to die <laughs> i'm going to go back like we had actually started with the band that i was in in the early 90s we did a dat right the analog yeah. to digital type of tape there was still a warm sound 
And we were doing DAT tapes, of course, because, you know, DAT tape was how you got it to a quality so that you could do reproductions and things like that before CDs were, were what most people went to by the late 90s. However, when I was saying making that big digital switch, I mean it was done in box, right, on a, yeah. a PC or a Mac. Like it was done, everything was a machine. And yeah. there was no tape of any kind involved, right? It was purely ones and zeros all the time. Again, like, and I've said it before, like our first couple albums, the Corners of Sanctuary is released, they've been pulled. Like they were pulled a number of years ago because they were good songs. It's just that we just didn't know what we were doing digitally. They're too thin or too thinny, you know, tinny. Oh, that, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a just, better word. Yeah, yeah, that's a better word. And, you yeah. know, I mean, until we really found a way to achieve what we were trying to get to, right? And and I actually used that, like, we would go out on the road and people go, man, you're so much heavier live or everything sounds different live. And sometimes I would ask questions not to make myself, well, what was it that you liked or what was, you know, I would take mental note of all that. And then when we would go to the next sessions, I would say, well, this is what people are saying. So how do we do that? And, you know, we would go through some things, did some test runs and, and we were finally starting to achieve that. And now I think there's a balance and there's a balance between the digital and not analog per se, you know, we're not relying so much on digital, but we are. Do you know what I'm saying? Because now you can create that really good analog sound using some of the digital interfaces that they're providing, right? Because the technology has gotten to be, not only is it a little bit more affordable than it was, say, you know, 15 years ago, but it's even more versatile now. And they have stuff that sounds just like analog. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? There's that balance. So, and again, that's the way I looked at some of the can't beat them, join them. I was never, like we talked about in the trend thing, I was never one that just to follow the crowds. Well, okay. Yeah, me neither. I yeah, guess me neither. So. Well, I mean, I guess like, if, you know, if everybody's getting a cheeseburger, all right, I'll get one. You didn't have to twist my arm. You know what I mean? You know what? Make it two. I'll take two because I'm going to have one. I'm going to eat one now and one on the ride home. You are listening to The Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. I'm going to give you another personal example. and um, Okay. So anyone that follows my band, the two people that do, me and my drummer, <laughs> for years, I wouldn't do cover songs. I never got into this to do yeah, you other people's music. You yeah. know, Chris, you've known me. We've known each yeah. other since kids. I've always played in original bands. We've never yes, played have, cover yeah. songs out. And That's I true. still hold to that. I'm not interested in putting a cover song into my set. I commend everyone that does. And one of the reasons that I don't do it, besides not wanting to do other people's music, is I, I can't figure out other people's music. I, I just, <laughs> you know, I just don't, you know, I don't want to spend that time because I'm not that good at it. You know what I mean? Like if it's, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't read music. I know only a couple chords. So let me just make my own stuff. I can make it sound better. So I mean, that part of that's just me. Where other guys, they could copy a song. To think, nah, I, I'm just too, I'm not good enough for that. So, but every year it's been talked about, hey, we should consider this. We can consider that, blah, 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 blah. Well, actually something was presented to us, which made me go, well, okay, let me think on it. And I talked to the band, and I did this, and I said, well, we're only going to do it if I could figure this out, because this is not my thing. And we did a cover of a Def Leppard song, Mirror, Mirror, right? I was a Def Leppard fan, but not like a big Def Leppard fan like a lot of other people were. So I mm-hmm. I was familiar with a lot, tons of their music. I mean, I, I knew the albums, but not to the point where I had studied 
their songwriting style, their guitar playing, and all that kind of stuff. And I always said, if you're going to do a cover, you got to do a cover. It's got to be good. Or if you're going to do it, do it differently. So I took some time. I worked it out. I created a, an additional arrangement to it and all this kind of stuff. And we did it. I was super stoked about it. Super stoked about it. Like I said, didn't really ever dive into the guitar playing or style the songwriting approach of Def Leppard. It was really interesting. However, we held off on releasing it for almost five, six months because we had other things going on. And again, it wasn't our material. So the time right. came, we knew there was going to be a law in what we were doing because we were going back into the studio. We released it to positive reviews. It actually went better than I thought. So much so that we were approached again to do a song for, <laughs> for a compilation <laughs> tribute album. And we were like, well, I don't know, you know, I mean, like, because the thing is, is we just did a Def Leppard song and I don't really want to do another one, let alone do another cover song, you know, anytime soon. They kept pressing and pressing and pressing. We got a couple songs that we could choose from and we chose one just because the other songs didn't fit us at all, even though this one doesn't completely. And I said, well, for us to do this, we're going to have to play it our way. We're just going to have to play it our way. And everybody was on board. And that's what I did. And the song came out really good. So much so that while we're finishing that up, Frankie goes, listen, they do everything in threes now. Three books, three movies, three wheelers, three course meals, whatever. I go, so what are you saying? He goes, I think we need to do one more. I go, are you kidding me? A third Def Leppard song? Like, it doesn't even make sense. I go, do you know we have our own material to do here? Like, I mean, we got to get on with this. So I go, what do you want to do? I'm not naming the songs yet because I'm getting up to it. I said, all right. I says, but here's the thing. I am not going to do this song anywhere close to how the original's done. I have a completely different arrangement. You know, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody. I go, but if we just do another Manila Envelope, you know, from yeah. start to finish, what's the point of doing yeah. it? I go, who's, I mean, if you're not going to listen to Def Leppard, what's the point? That's the way I look at it. <laughs> and then we did it. And now we have a three-song EP coming out this summer called Defying it's our it's this is crazy it's our Def Leppard tribute EP <laughs> so here we go but the songs will never be played live they'll never be right. part of our set um, you know Mick hold on hold on you say that you won't play them live but you also said you would never record a song cover song and here you recorded three so let's not say never no no okay? no there's a difference like I'm gonna go back to my earlier statement I'm not good enough to figure out other people's songs like that. When I'm in the studio, I'm able to layer things. And, and again, like, you know, you can get things the way you need to get them. And some of the instrumentation that I created for some of these arrangements, unless I'm using backing tracks, it would never be able to never be able to do it. But again, to hold true to what type of band, I, it's just that's never going to happen. All right, wait. You're at the Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> in L.A., okay? Yeah. They go... Everybody goes, uh, course X-ray, one more, one more. And one of the guys from Def Leppard's in the crowd. Do you do it or do you do an original? Well, I'm going to have to do original because I'm going to be honest with you. We did Mira Mira. I can't remember it. Because <laughs> that dude will be like, we don't even play Mira Mira. <laughs> yeah, we don't even play Mira Mira. What's funny is the two guitar players weren't even in the band when the, when the song was written or, or recorded. If you go to um, some YouTube videos of them, actually in the past couple years, they had started playing it again. There is a slight difference in the song. One, because of Joe Elliott's voice. 
but two, right, right. because neither of those guitar players are on the original recording. Right, right, so there is right, a slight right. difference to them. The exciting thing is, is it gave me an opportunity to research something that I would have never done or hesitated to do for a lot of years. So part of the can't beat them, join them. Hey, listen, everybody has done a cover at some point or other. Listen, Judas Priest did them. And they made them their own, right? Green Manalishi. Oh, absolutely. Diamonds and Rust, right? Yep, Many people yep. don't realize that they were other people's songs. Yeah. To me, that was my way of approaching it. Like, if you're going to do this, make it your song. That's the only way, right? So if you can't beat them, join them, that kind of thing. That's the way I look at yeah. it. And I mean, I don't look at it as such a bad thing as I did a long time ago. I'm not looking to join a tribute band. I still right, don't right, right. completely understand that. I commend these guys and women. They're fantastic, but that's just not something that I want to do full time. Yeah. I, and yeah, I understand I why a lot of people do it. It's a yeah, good payday. Sure. It's a good yeah, payday. It, it's a solid crowd response. You know what's going to you know take place. Mm-hmm. Again, going back, you can't beat them, join them. If you use it as the same way as the trends and use it as a resource to enhance what it is you're doing or give yourself some more billability, bang for your buck, so to speak, I think it's a plus. I mean, honestly, with the cover song, not to keep going back to that, we were able to hit a demographic that we normally weren't hitting. Right. you think I would have known that simply because I do metal Christmas songs every year and hit a large demographic that I don't hit during the year. I I mean, we get on yeah. stations that we will not get, our regular music will not be played on. You know, same with both FM stations, internet stations, and everything in between. The holiday songs will get airplay. Yeah. And we'll actually move in playlists and charts and stuff like that where our normal music doesn't because it gets lost in the crowd. Right? right. How many metal right. bands are doing holiday music? Right. I do. I mean, yeah, I, do. I mean, and I used it as a business model, and because I like Christmas, and writing Christmas songs was always a, like, as a kid, I was like, man, I, I could do, I like to do that, I think I could do that, and this gave me an opportunity. Now it's a staple. Now it's a staple, yeah. so. Yeah. But if it could change your business model, like you were saying, it could change how you do, well, listen, here's another, can't beat them, can't join them, and, and people can argue, is it a plus or not, positive, negative, is the new fad for a lot of bands is to use all these backing tracks, singing yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, Kiss has been for that, and a lot of other bands have been to... But we've talked about this before. Backing tracks have been used a lot longer than yeah. people... Yeah, people know. Yeah, people or know, about. or think about, yeah. or, or consider. You know, maybe where the whole thing is lip-synced, well, I don't, that's, you know, now you're into Millie Vanilli territory, but they just, like you had said in our other podcast, they had just gotten caught. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, in terms of Kiss, well, they just never really admitted it. You can, again, argue that either way. I I seen them on the end of the road tour a couple times. If they decide one more time that they're really going to come out and come this way, I'm probably going to go see them again. And sure, 90% of it's taped or whatever. But, you know, if you overlook that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because, I mean, let's be honest, you know, and and this is going to sound so bizarre. But for no reason at all, I just happened to be listening over the weekend. I was listening to Michael Jackson's Thriller, the 40th anniversary yeah. edition, because there's all kinds of interviews at the end of the record. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Which, But that led me to look at some old live stuff from Michael Jackson. And guess what? He's lip syncing and nobody cares. 
<laughs> like, you know, I you know, I watched that, you know, the Billy Jean he did at the uh the Motown twenty five. Yeah. That was all lip synced. Which changed his entire career. career. Lip sync the whole time. Yep. Nobody cared. Nobody, Nobody cared. talked about it. Nope. Nobody made a big deal about nope. it. it was, everybody you know, talked like, about the moonwalk the next day. That's it. Yep. That's, that's it. it, man. That's it. That's it. And, you know, that goes, you know, like you were saying, it's been going on for years and they still do it now. The only difference is it's probably done better now because we have better technology now than he did back then. Yeah. There's that video that's out of Maiden. They were on some show. I don't know where they were at, oh. Germany or whatever, right? And they yes. were told that they had to lip sync. And the story goes that they didn't want to lip sync. They wanted to play. But the common thing was is they have to eliminate any possibility that there's going to be a sound audio issue when right. the feed goes out. And right. so what do they do? They're changing they instruments or switching instruments, and they're having a good time. And by that time, there's nothing that they could do. The station or the programming, yep. they just had to go with the flow. If that's the opportunity, are you going to just say no? I mean, I remember, you know, even The Suite, there's a couple good documentaries on YouTube about them. They had the same thing. The BBC wouldn't let them perform the songs live, and they were prepared to. They, right. they were told, listen, this is you either do it or you don't play. You know, in a sense... You know, sometimes your back's against the wall, but it's like you have to weigh the differences, right? And some of those type of things. But like you were saying, if, if you're changing singing styles because maybe it's saving you, you know, it can't beat them joining, maybe you, you down tune. You know, mm -hmm. you get your band yeah. to down tune. It helps. Yep. It saves the strings. It saves your guitar player's hands. And it saves your throat. You can hit them notes so that when mm -hmm. you do want to hit higher notes, it's easier to achieve. It, it's just a matter right. of adjustments, that balance we talked about. Right, right. right, and that's the way I look at. You can't beat them, join them. The thing is, is it took me all these years to do the cover thing, but I had to be ready for it. Like I don't think I would have been able to achieve what I did with these three songs ten years ago, not even right. five years ago. I wasn't right. in that mental space. There was so much material of me I needed to get out. Doing somebody else, it just didn't interest me. I mm -hmm. still have tons of material I want to try to get out there before I, I kick the bucket. However, I figured, why not deviate just a little bit and have some fun? The band embraced it. They all feel the same way that I do. The covers are one thing, but this was a cool break from the norm in a sense. It really yeah. broke some things yeah. up. I've told you guys this before. I've said, you know, like the pandemic taught me how I don't want to waste time with things that just aren't going to show any positive results. And right. I right. found that, like... Everybody was so on board, which I think really helped me yeah, accept it sure. even more because I was the one yep. hemming and hawing like, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, I don't, we're not sure. And uh, we're having one of the songs on a compilation coming up this fall. And even with that offer on the table, I was still like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, because I, you know, whatever. I don't want people to, you know, but um, and I don't want, you know, and then. And then, and then, you know, and then Will Smith smacks me in the face. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, and then he says, snap out of it. You know, like in Moonstruck. <laughs> That's the way I look at it, you know, and, and I've had a lot of those type of experience. In this industry, there is a lot of that. If you don't kind of go with the flow, but stick to your guns, yeah. you may miss the boat, right? Yeah. You may yeah. miss the boat a little yeah. bit. It's kind of like, you know, like if we're still trying to play, and I know you're not a guitar player, but like my first amplifier was a Marlboro amplifier. The thing was like the size of a, like a car, but it had the sound of like a, you know, like a, like a tin can. 
It was bigger than, I mean, like, you, you, as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, yeah. And then you turn it on and go, does this thing get any louder? Like, like my voice is louder. I can make dunk, 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 dunk louder, you know? But um, it's like me trying to wheel a Marlboro amplifier on, you know, stage now, you know, when I get, you know what I mean? So if you can't beat them, you got to join. All right, let me get some new equipment. It's just, it's just one of those things. Don't look at it as a bad thing. That's the way I look at it. No, and you know, man, like this business ebbs and flows. Like we're constantly, you know, this business is constantly changing. And sometimes you have to change what you're doing. I wouldn't do it to, how can I put it? I would only do it if I wanted to do it. But sometimes there are things like you would said about, you know, we talked about studios or we talked about, you know, the way things go. Like sometimes your back's against the wall and you have to make that decision. And that's sometimes what happens. But the business is always changing. So just try to change with it. Yeah, go with the flow. Keep an open mind. You know, sometimes that's where opportunity will open. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, not to not to keep going back to it, but doing the cover thing actually opened up some additional opportunity, which now has brought me forward to a three-song EP. You know, we have title, right. we have artwork for it, all this stuff. Right. It's just going to be a summer release in between our best of compilation and our new album. So it's like, right, you know, it's, right. and it's just fun stuff. It was just, you know, it creates some diversity and sometimes it's diversity is not a bad thing. No, no, it's not. So look at it in that way, people. Listen, for the rest of us out there, keep your hands up. You don't want to get slapped by anybody that's charging at you. <laughs> keep your hands up. <laughs> you got anything else you want to add? No, brother, that is it. All right, if you like that and some of the other things that we've talked about, check out www.thecosmicvoice.com. Step into the cosmic verse and fill that void. You'll never know what you'll find. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is The Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.